They want to live in these worlds beyond the game. And so that's what licensing does, is it extends our brands outside of the, the actual video game. Why are Nike's Chunky Dunky sneakers selling for $6,000 on eBay? How did Mickey Mouse find his way onto a face mask? Exactly how did all that Stranger Things gear land in your shopping cart? We explore what makes you click buy on the products that stand out above the rest, thanks to a little thing called brand licensing. Welcome to the Licensing Mixtape, a podcast by License Global. Welcome to the Licensing Mixtape, a podcast by License Global. My name is Stephen Extract, and I'm the brand director for the Global Licensing Group. On today's podcast, my guest is Sarah Busby, Vice President of Consumer Product Americas at Ubisoft. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks, Stephen. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. So, Sarah, to start off our conversation today, can you just tell our audience a little bit about your business background and the steps along your career that have gotten you to where you are today? Sure, absolutely. So, I would say the majority of my career has been, you know, I started out kind of in the toy industry, and I worked for a few smaller toy companies. Uh, my probably my first big leap into a larger company was at Warner Brothers Studio Stores many, many, many years ago. And from there, my career took me to Mattel, where I spent about 15 years working on Barbie as well as other brands. So I oversaw Barbie marketing for the entertainment segment for about 10 years. And then as we all do, we start thinking about our careers and and kind of what's next. And an opportunity came up on the Mattel brand's consumer products team. And so I made the decision to shift over to that team and I never looked back from there. It was such a breath of fresh air for me, you know, having worked on marketing for so long for such an iconic brand. I had learned a lot about the business, but shifting over to licensing was, as I said, a breath of fresh air and allowed me to focus externally, uh, meeting all kinds of different partners across all kinds of different categories and really kind of inspired me and um, got me excited in in a different perspective about this business. So I worked on consumer products at Mattel across um, several of their brands and um, did that for about five years, then decided I wanted a change um, outside of a a big corporate environment. And I actually went to work with one of our licensees, um, Just Play. And then from there, I decided, you know, I really liked being on the licensor side of things. And so I started to kind of look for different opportunities and um, made the move to Ubisoft. And so not only was I moving outside of the toy industry, which, you know, I had gotten very comfortable in, but, um, you know, was was going on this new adventure in the world of video games. So I've been with Ubisoft a little bit over three years. Love it. There's, again, no looking back. It's it's such a an amazing and fast-moving and fun business and um, immense opportunity. So that's where I've come from. So tell, tell me something. Was it difficult for you coming from like a traditional toy back, background to get your head around gaming? I mean, because it, it is you know, gaming is so much different from traditional toys. In fact, for, I don't know, the last 40 years since video games sort of developed, the toy industry always, the traditional toy industry always saw video gaming as competitive to them and kind of taking their audience away. So, you know, was was that difficult to get your head around or was it sort of an easy transition? Talk to us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, I would say the answer is yes and no. Yes, in that I am not a gamer myself. I'm trying to 
learn you know i'll play mobile games and things like that but when you put me on a console i i still need to figure out the buttons and all that you know on the controller and that kind of thing but i live with you know my husband and my son who are both gamers my son is an avid gamer and so i could see his passion for the brands and how much <laughs> this could be good or bad how much time he invests in video games um especially now and you know that inspired me it's it's similar to in the toy industry on character brands it's that that same level of connection to a character or a world or a brand it's it's the same you know whether you're a fan of uh, blues clues or you're a fan of assassin's creed it's just it's completely different targets so i had to learn that a little bit um but really it's it's about tapping into that affinity that people have for these brands and characters and and worlds so that piece of it once once i got my head around it, it it kind of made sense it can be difficult for me to understand the games but i really sit with you know the dev teams or some of the brand teams to get a deep dive into what makes this ip or this game or this franchise unique and you know some of our franchises have over 10 years of history and so the fan base for that is immense and how do you approach that versus a new franchise that's just launching it's a it's a, it's a bit of a different approach but all in all it's it's very similar to overall entertainment licensing so yeah it was it's a little bit tricky sometimes because i don't understand all the you know lingo or whatever but i've learned a lot over the past three years and I'm trying to make that jump over to not becoming a gamer, but playing games and understanding that draw um, for our fans into our worlds. You know, you talk about being being with Ubisoft a little over three years, and I, I know you and I first met when you you were new at Ubisoft, and uh -huh. even though our paths had really kind of been, we've been on the same trajectory in licensing, we just had never sort of gotten to to know each other. So, um, one of the things I love about this podcast format is that it's gonna it, it enables uh, you and I to be able to have an informal conversation and share sort of share. Uh, stories, because I think, you know, I, I like the personal aspect of a podcast versus yeah. like, you know, an editorial article or 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 the more formal video. So I, I just want to say that um, to, to the audience, you know, when when Sarah and I met three years ago, Sarah's based in Los Angeles. I'm based on the East Coast. And of course, um, Ubisoft is is uh, is Paris based as well as Montreal offices in San Francisco, obviously an office now in Los Angeles. Uh, but it's global and and really our business is a global business right i mean exactly. there's folks who work in the licensing business are all over the world and we come together anyway um my headquarters for the americas for my group is actually in santa monica and i was mm -hmm. coming out to santa monica sarah and i uh sort of met on a on a, a phone conversation and we decided let's have lunch to get to know each other and i have to say sarah you know that lunch was um was really wonderful because I kind of felt like I had known you all my life. It was one of those <laughs> situations where, you know, after our lunch was over, an hour and a half later, we sort of like, I, I personally walked away and said, wow, you know, it's so nice to have that face to face and to right. get to know someone. And, and 
uh, it's been the last three years have been great. We've seen each other so much at at shows and uh, at, at certainly Ubisoft hosted events. And, mm-hmm. and so I just want to say uh, it's really um, it's really a pleasure knowing you and oh. and, your, and your team as well. You have a phenomenal team that uh, I know that some of them you inherited and then you've built a team. Uh, but it really let, let's talk a little bit about and look. This pandemic, um, you know, that we're in the middle of is kind of crazy. It's turned our worlds upside down. And so we're all working remotely. I know for you that you and I are very similar in the sense that we we work remotely because mm-hmm. I work out of my home in Connecticut. You work out of your home outside of Los Angeles. But we often will get on planes to meet with our teams. And, 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 and so that can't be done. I mean, for the last right, four months. Yeah. Not, none of us, none of us have flown on planes. So, how has it been as far as for you? What are the challenges? What have you found that's that's kind of good? You know, just going back to how we met, I remember that lunch well, and uh, we were introduced by somebody on my team who goes way back with you, and yeah. and I'm so grateful for that introduction, and and I look to you, Stephen, as you know, this expert in the industry and and a true partner as we go through this conversation. I think one of the things to rise out of it is that that's what licensing is. It's all about partnership. And and aside from, you know, enjoying you as a friend um, and, you know, a respected voice of the industry, um, you know, I'm glad that, that we've been able to forge the relationship, not only personally, but also between our companies. And so um, thanks for that. But to get to your question, um, yeah, I mean, this pandemic has completely thrown a wrench into things on many different levels. And so, you know, as you mentioned, you and I both work from home normally. So that piece of the transition was obviously not super difficult for us. But having my team, which is, you know, I'm remote anyway. Um, I have the majority of my team in Montreal, and then I have um, someone up in our San Francisco office. We figured, we had already figured out a way to kind of work together being apart. But I think for my, you know, the the majority of the team in Montreal, I think there was a, you know, a little bit of an adjustment period that they had to go through, um, learning to work from home, dealing with children who were at home, um, who don't understand, you know, boundaries and what it's like when you pop into a video call and, you know, showing me their Lego creations and things like that. Um, but you know what? You just got you kind of have to go with it. So they've adjusted, I feel like, very, very, very well. And so our productivity hasn't dipped whatsoever. Um, we've just tried to be very focused on connecting with our licensees frequently because they're also going through a massive transition, um, working from home, you know, dealing with the challenges at retail. Um, and so we're really trying to not only keep them engaged and inspired, but also trying to help them out because a lot of them have hit some really hard times. And, you know, that speaks to the whole relationship piece of what we do um, in this industry. You know, we're there for the good times and the bad. And I think it's it's an interesting commentary on the industry because I don't know that other industries are as personally and professionally co- connected as, as the licensing industry. And so, you know, in times like this, I think that that goes a long way in, you know, helping people get through some of these difficult times. But, you know, the transition has been interesting and a little bit rocky at times, but Hopefully we'll get back to that point where we are getting back on planes and traveling, 
you know, and, and meeting face to face. I do miss that. Um, I missed licensing show face to face. And, you know, all of the we the last time we traveled was New York Toy Fair. And I don't know when the next time will be that we travel, you know, and that to me, for somebody who's used to being on a plane at least once a month and being in front of licensees, I think, um, you know, I really miss that. And I think, you know, I, I get a lot of inspiration from that. New ideas and new ways of thinking about the business or identifying where there's a challenge and figuring out ways to deal with that or help our licensees deal with that. I miss that face-to-face interaction a bit. But I'm sure one day it will be back, hopefully sooner rather than later. But I, I'm a little doubtful that it's going to be sooner. So... <laughs> Yeah, you know, there, there's definitely, um, I was talking to someone recently and um, we were talking about the pace. There's a pace to our mm-hmm. to our year in licensing and it's certainly anchored by some of the bigger shows like yeah. Toy Fair, Licensing Expo, Brand Licensing Europe. And then, of course, um, you know, licensee summits that that companies like Ubisoft do visiting uh, with our staff and, and headquarters. So that and you're, and you're right, that's kind of been thrown off. And so we've all had to adjust. But I what I find interesting is for someone like me who's worked from home for the last four years, because I travel so much, I've been mm-hmm. able to I, I work from my home office. So I knew that the technology was there, like, you know, yeah. the, the capability that the video capability that we have, whether it's Microsoft Teams or Zoom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of companies and a lot of folks have discovered that, yes, we can actually be effective and efficient working mm-hmm. from home. And so I, I think that's going to change. I think the technology has been there and this pandemic has sort of forced us to to sort of use the tools of the technology to sort of figure out new ways to do business. And I think in some ways it's really good because what we've learned is that we can function. We don't all have to be in the the same same Mm -hmm. space. And certainly there's there's something to be said for being collaborative and being in the same space, but at the same time, we can do that through video calls and everything else. Right. So so that's been I think that's really been something that's positive that's come out of this. And yeah. and one of the things that I, I'm seeing through this pandemic is that really what it's done is it's really just sped up what was already um, what was already kind of happening. It's just made it go quicker. And and so and, and that's actually a great segue to gaming because mm-hmm. You know, for the last at least three years, I've been proselytizing to anybody who will listen about how video (laughs) games are the future of entertainment licensing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, gaming, let's face it, gaming's been around about 40 years, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's already three generations. It's got three generations of, of, of people who've engaged with it. And... When I first uh, launched Licensed Global Magazine 22 years ago, we really saw gaming as as a significant component of our editorial coverage. And it's always been a strong area, but it never took off. Like, you know, 20 years ago, there was always a little bit of licensing and it was mostly character based licensing mm-hmm. like Sonic, like Mario, um, but but there wasn't the kind of licensing that one would have thought that the way the film industry, television, cartoons, that type of thing. So it was always perplexing to me because the fan base for video games is just incredible, right? right. The the amount of time that, that fans spend with the game and the millions of players right. that, that the game franchises have, mm-hmm. the time that the fans spend with it, the emotional connection they have with it, it all just perfect for licensed consumer products. 
And yet they never really took off. And and it was always kind of my suspicion that it was because brick and mortar retail was so strong a business and that the retail buyers didn't really understand didn't understand the demographics or the emotional connection of of the fans, right? Mm -hmm. Because retail buyers tend to be not young people, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Probably not gamers. So they just didn't understand it. And also, unlike a a cartoon series where you can put Nielsen numbers on it, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's, uh, the the stats weren't the same for gaming. I mean, so, so what I think this pandemic has done is it's really sort of opened everybody's eyes up to the fact that gaming is I mean, you look at the stats of of how much online gaming has gone up, right? And it's very measurable. The other part of it is that, let's face it, brick and mortar retail, which has sort of been falling off the cliff for a while very slowly, has sort of now all of a sudden, you know, is crashing to the to the bottom. And Mm -hmm. what we're seeing is quite an increase in in Mm e-commerce. And you you guys, it seems to me that Ubisoft sort of understood and recognized that early on, that if you were going to sell product, you actually had to create your own e-commerce. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk about gaming and and how it's such a natural for for the licensing business. Yeah, I think, you know, you're absolutely right in that many buyers didn't really understand or haven't really understood gaming because, you know, similar to me, they're not gamers necessarily. Some of them are, and those are the ones who totally get it. Um, But gaming industry, the licensing gaming industry's responsibility to educate them um, and show them that, you know, there is a huge, huge market, um, millions and millions and millions of fans of these games. And, you know, when you, what I try to do is, you know, I always approach this and put the fan at the center of uh, what we're trying to do. You know, people may have been, you know, in the past, and this is, you know, many, many years ago, and maybe it's because there wasn't a lot of product out there, but they weren't necessarily comfortable showing their fandom. And I think that's because, you know, many years ago, again, I think people's perception of, those who play video games as it's males who are sitting in their basement and and they're only playing video games but when you look at you know the consumer base for video games it's everyone uh, whether it's mobile or online i mean it, it permeates the demographic and it's children it's adults it's older people it's you know it's everyone and so i think you know it's it's taken a while to get to the point where we realize oh my gosh you know the world is our consumer and our fan and how what i try to do is approach you know these are brands you know it's no different than a movie or a character brand and people want to kind of celebrate and show their fandom. So you've got to give them the products in order to do that. Um, They want to live in these worlds beyond the game. And so that's what licensing does, is it extends our brands outside of the the actual video game. Getting buyers to understand that, I think, is an evolution, and I think they're getting there. I think for our brands, which are mostly, you know, targeting adults or mature, they're rated M games, so 18 plus, but we do have some younger ones. Um, I think that we have the best success when we're working with 
the electronics department or video game buyers because traditionally those buyers are are, are gamers and they understand and, and they want to provide those types of products to their consumers. So, uh, but I do see, especially on, um, you know, more kid targeted or teen targeted brands, you're seeing a lot more in the traditional toy space or there's kind of flex spaces at retail where they might put some, you know, a gaming statement or something like that. So the other thing is the the licensee base is very tapped into or beginning to be tapped into how big of a business this could be. So collectibles is a huge, huge segment. And I've seen just an explosion in the collectible space, not only in my own business, but across the gaming industry. So that is something that we focus on. Apparel is something that we focus on because people want to wear their their shirts, you know, their Assassin's Creed shirts or hats, or it's a way to communicate to other fans that, hey, this is what we have in common and this is what we share, or this is what I like and you might like something different. So, you know, I always try to focus on the fan, try to make sure it's something that is, is relevant to them and helps them live that brand beyond when they're playing on a console or PC or on their phone. So so you, you really touched upon the whole idea of collectibles and that's really where, isn't that where you guys decided to kind of create your own e-commerce online store so that you could satisfy your fans with those collectibles? You know, we, our, our strategy on e-com for the Ubisoft store has shifted and evolved over time. And so what we are focusing on right now in the collectible space is really exclusive things that you can only find on the Ubisoft store. And so that's our collector's editions, which generally um, we create for new game launches. And so it, at least in the Americas, it's a little, the strategy is a little bit different, you know, in other markets, but the, the Ubisoft store is absolutely the perfect way to get those types of products, not only collectibles, but apparel. And, and we have a, a broad range of product categories that we're offering. And we just recently banded our brand offering online. So I think if people haven't been to the Ubisoft store, go check it out because it, it looks different and there's a huge range of products and a huge range of brands to check out. But that's another way that you know we can deliver to our fans exactly what they're looking for to kind of live out those brand experiences. And where my team comes in is we we manage and we create all of the designs for the, those products online. So not only do I have visibility to what our licensees are creating, but we can also differentiate from what we're offering on the Ubisoft store. So there's a whole range of, of products out there for whatever game you're a fan of um, or whatever types of products you want to uh, incorporate into your your life and your um, expression of fandom for a franchise so and and i would say on the licensing side you know we've really had a strong focus on the collectibles piece of the business it was not something that we had delved too deeply into but you know, over the past three years, we've really started to focus and it, it's a challenging industry. It's a, for our licensees. It's a it's a big investment from a, a product development perspective. But the volume that you drive and keeping it fresh and new is, is always challenging, but it's it's a really fun piece of the business. And it's something that fans love. People love to collect. So it's definitely a big focus for us. Yeah, and I, I, you touched upon, um, uh, you touched upon how uh, toys, how in the toy industry, um, 
video games the the video game IP is now moving into toys and I love mm-hmm. I love that topic because uh, as I mentioned when we first when we first started the interview the traditional toy industry always saw video games as competitive for kids attention right and, right. and for their and 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 for their pocketbooks as well mm-hmm. right And in in the last, I don't know, uh, five or six years, we've really seen so many toy companies that have actually embraced video game IP. And certainly probably Lego was probably the first, right? Mm -hmm. Lego was probably the first. And and they did it both in and out, right? So Lego created uh, the Star Wars video game that was probably the number one selling video game of all time, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, companies like Jazzwares, who who really mm-hmm. understood that the intellectual property from video games was the same as intellectual property from a superhero movie or from mm-hmm. a cartoon TV series, that kids would want to interact with it because they understand that children want three-dimensional. They want to right. touch and feel, right? And so there's been so many successful franchises. I mean, certainly what, what's happened with Minecraft um, mm-hmm. in the toy aisle, you know, Roblox in the toy aisle, mm-hmm. so many successful we're just going to see more and more of it. And and I have to say, it, um, I'm very fortunate that I, I'm on the trend committee for the um, Nuremberg Toy Fair, which is the largest oh, toy cool. fair in the world. And so I, I do, uh, I help program their licensing content every year. And one of the areas that I've really focused on in the last few years has been showing the, the attendees at Nuremberg that the toy business and video game business are not mutually exclusive, but right. inclusive, that video games are just another entertainment, intellect, an, yes. another intellectual property that can be utilized to create really fascinating and interesting toys for kids. And so, so that's been, uh, that's been very satisfying. And, you know, on a, on a broader scale, just talking about licensing in general, thinking about what we're going through right now with this pandemic in the world and how travel bans are happening and countries are pointing their fingers at one another. And I think about our business of consumer products licensing and experiential licensing as well. And besides the fact that it's a a huge industry, right? It's $300 billion a year in retail sales. It's also really the glue that holds us together because we're sharing our IP across national boundaries. We're sharing Mm -hmm. our cultural experiences with others. And so to me, licensing is almost like a United Nations. It's a way to bring people together. And and so I feel it, it feels good to to kind of know that you're working in that kind of a business, that you're sort of bringing joy to people through products and experiences. Right. So I, I want you to talk a little bit about some of the franchises that you're working on. And I just want to say it's really fascinating to watch, to see, like, I see that you guys from from the uh, video game franchises, you guys are launching films and you're mm-hmm. launching TV shows. And it's really incredible. Um, and again, I will I will say again, I believe that in the next the next generation for Hollywood's big franchise films are going to come from video games. That's mm-hmm. that's my stipulation. I'm sticking to it. So, <laughs> so 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 tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now. Some of the most interesting franchises and yeah. Um, so I think you know we just had um, our it was a essentially a virtual press conference this past Sunday. Um, called Ubisoft Forward. You, if you missed it, you can pull it up on YouTube. It's all there. Um, where we kind of announced our big initiatives um, on the in in terms of fall launches for for video games. And so, 
One of the uh, franchises I'm very excited about is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, that is launching this November. Um, and we have a, a huge program behind that. Um, everything from apparel to amazing figurines, publishing. We have so many um, really cool partnerships on the publishing side. So you're going to see a, a new comic book series, an art book. I mean, and, and aside from the cool products, I mean, it's all based on this amazing, insane wonderful game that has such a deep story and it's you know set in the vikings time frame and so it's not an area that assassin's creed has been to in the past so it's super rich in terms of where we can go with it from a product perspective so that's one of our huge priorities rainbow six which this could be its own podcast in and of itself continues to exceed everyone's expectations you know the game launched i believe in 2015 and it's interesting because you know typically when you launch a game it's like huge at the beginning and then it starts to taper off a little bit but rainbow six has built its fan base over time and you know i believe we're at 60 over 60 million players at this point you know we also in conjunction with not only the game but we have this huge esports initiative behind that so you're going to start to see a lot i mean there's already a lot out there going on in esports for rainbow six but we have some amazing plans some of them are challenged by this pandemic, but we're pivoting and thank God for online opportunities um, because that audience is is very obviously very into streaming. And so we can live stream our major competitions. And, you know, on the merch side of things, we're putting together our plans to um, really support our fans on the esports side. So you'll see a lot coming um, in that space. We also announced a new uh, free-to-play battle royale game called Hyperscape. It launched open beta um, on Sunday and, you know, is exceeding everyone's expectations. And we have some cool products to come from that as well. So those are some key things that we're focusing on. Um, and not only that, you know, just really trying to keep focus on other games that people are into. And on the mobile side of things, we have a lot of uh, resources dedicated to that. And I think we just opened a new studio in Vietnam dedicated to mobile gaming. And so I know they're working on some really cool stuff. Um, we have Hungry Shark, which is, you know, a, a really fun uh, mobile game that kids love, adults love, and you're going to see some products coming from that as well. So there's a lot going on. I think it's going to be an exciting fall. And, you know, we're also really excited to get moving, you know, for next year as well. So we're not stopping. We're not slowing down. <laughs> one, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Sarah, is because of the fan base that you guys have, do you get a lot of requests from fans for specific products that may not yet exist that, that they would buy? Sometimes we do. Um, you know, we do have, there's a whole community development team that you know, is primarily focused on um, interacting with the community on the game side, but we work with them through our marketing and, um, you know, they, they help to amplify some of our product launches to the community. And so I know that they, they get feedback and they share it with us. We do definitely listen to that and take it to heart. Some of it is a little bit out there, but a lot of it's not. And so, you know, we're always open to hearing from fans. I think that connection is, is super important and we do what we can to honor it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, one one last topic I'd like to touch upon uh, is the experiential licensing, mm-hmm. uh, because it's, it's certainly a growth area for the business in general, both collaborations and experiential. But talk a little bit about experiential, because, uh, again, Ubisoft's IP really lends itself to experiential. I know you guys do some live stage shows. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering about a potential for theme parks or amusement mm-hmm. parks in the future, you know, actual rides. Mm-hmm. Maybe even even cafes, hotels, esports mm-hmm. cafes. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? But it just right. seems like like uh, it's almost an embarrassment of riches. Absolutely, and, and we do have a team that's dedicated to that. Um, it, it doesn't fall under my team, but ah. um, we do have initiatives planned. Um, I know they're working on some things, and typically we leverage Assassin's Creed or one of our younger targeted games is uh, Rabbids, and there's a a Netflix show on rabbits mm-hmm. and lots to come on rabbits, I'll say. But, uh, you know, for Assassin's Creed, we've done escape rooms, they've done um, virtual reality interactive experiences. And it, it's always something that, you know, this team is, is diligently working on. And, you know, on, the, on our side, we do, we do have a pretty robust business, interestingly, on Rabbids for arcade games. And so hopefully family entertainment centers will open back up soon because uh, we just launched a, a new Rabbids arcade game. So, um, but that's a, it's a, it's a big business. And again, it's another way to allow fans to interact with your brands and 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 experience it not behind a screen you know it it gets them out there playing with it so definitely something we focus on and then as you mentioned earlier the whole movie and tv series um, opportunities you know we have a a team dedicated to that as well so we just launched um, a new series on apple tv in i believe it was february called mythic quest and that was created by ubisoft in collaboration with apple and if you haven't watched it go watch it it's it's really funny and um, kind of portrays what life is somewhat like in uh, a, a development studio. So it's it's great. So lots to come there as well. So we're we're not resting. That's for sure. <laughs> sounds sounds amazing. Um, I know we've run out of time. We could talk forever, uh, yeah. but. Thank you so much for, wow, this has been a phenomenal interview. So much information. You know, thanks for, thanks for everything. Thank you so much. It was fun. 